0: Hey everybody! Welcome to drinks, jokes, and storytelling. I'm your host, Mark Brigadana, and with me, as always, Richie Byrne. And it's pretty exciting—we're live in person. I can touch Richie. Yeah, that's, that's a, I right. don't want to touch you. <laughs> 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 this is our guest. We have a great special guest. I'm so excited. Uh, Dan Lauria is joining us, and um, we—we—I got to meet you on set of a a pilot and ronnie marmos yeah Yeah. as soon as i saw you you were on the the cast list i was so excited to meet you i was nervous to meet you and then we sat in our underwear getting makeup done and you told so many great stories i wasn't nervous anymore no no. it was it was a lot of fun you know and you know ronnie called and said i have no money will you do it and i said sure <laughs> he called Joe at first and said, call Dan. He'll just... <laughs> but that's about That's where it. Was. But it was a, a lot better pilot than I thought it would be. Yeah, it was a, a main lot of premise. <laughs> it's, that's, it's solid. Yeah. I... <laughs> and we met those real gamblers. That's what I... Oh you well yeah when you guys were yeah, in Lynn City. Loughlin. Yeah, wow. You guys yeah. good <laughs> stories there. Yeah. I was just happy when we did the card scenes. I wasn't uh really having to do much because I can barely <laughs> shuffle. So But you actually played. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we have a card game, that's uh, it's going on for over twenty five years until COVID hit. <laughs> Uh, Norby Walters, it was always at his house, but it was always uh, celebrities. And whenever someone got a straight flush, we would stop and take a photo. So if you come to my house in New York, even something here, I should have brought some. Uh, when Charlie Derny got his flush, or Rod Steiger got his flush, or Sid Caesar got one, and I'm in those photos. <laughs> it would be a rotating game. You'd play maybe two out of the four weeks a month. And. Uh, show you how old they were I, I was the youngest guy so i was always the backup and if somebody couldn't come i go so i ended up playing in more games than anybody <laughs> but you got to meet all those great old stars and, and comics like yeah Sid- 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 you guys would have loved it oh my god yeah. so who who was the most intimidating that you got the that you were gonna meet. They were coming to play cards and you get nervous. Well, it, it wasn't a matter of intimidation. It was just, it, it was such a fun game, you know? I mean, Charlie Durning was like my dad and I, I, I was good friends with Dom Delaways. So uh, my memories are not about intimidation, it's about laughing. Uh, yeah. The best storyteller, and even Milton Berle said it, is was Jan Murray. Really? Yeah, he said next to Harry Ritz, you guys too the guy the... young, there was a Ritz brother, Harry was the guy in the middle do St. know Holland. Yeah, but Milton Berle said next to Harry Ritz, the best storyteller is Jan Murray. And one night he told a story about him and Frank Sinatra. I literally thought... Don Delawise and Buddy Hackett were gonna have heart attacks. They were laughing. And of course, the more they laughed, Jan went on. Right. On. I can't repeat the story because he had to do it. And I instead, hardly laughed at all. He would just nod,
1: <laughs>
0: nod. And when it was over, he goes, That's why he's the best. <laughs> so inwardly he was laughing. Yeah. Like we were talking about yeah. it before. They would analyze jokes. They wouldn't just Gaffaw. So it was not an intimidation so much as, uh, well, a great education. You know? Yeah. I would get so nervous knowing all these names are coming to the table. No. Nah, um, you know, first of all, I was brought on to the group by Charles Derny, who, like I said, was like my dad. And um, after the Wonder Years, I had started a reading series where every Monday night we read a new play to help writers get literary agents. We start. we were going to do one a month, and then six months later, we did two a month, and then after the first year, we did one a week for ten years. We did wow. almost five hundred readings, and it caught on. So we always had big stars. Wow. So I'd go to the card game, and you know, somebody like Tom Poston goes, "Oh, yes, Harvey." But you didn't ask me, you know, <laughs> we only got so many parts. it as it goes. You always, every time you get an old part, you got a, you, Charlie, i about giving to give me one of us a break. So honestly, they would just bust my chops, you know, but
1: I got to know them. More, you know? It's so good to see
0: that never goes away. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> did you feel it when you got the one years, the, the, the fame that you got from that? The, did you, did that help you? Like, was that a good thing for you to go? Now I can start. I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to do that. Because that's how I would be if uh, yeah. and that's how you would be. Yeah.
0: Like Yeah, there's there's some of that in it. You know, um no actor likes to hang their hat on one hook. Right. But if you had to, the one year is kind of a pretty fancy. Pretty, pretty, yeah, good, uh, yeah, yeah, pretty, a pretty good, good one. That's pretty good.
1: And well respected. But I mean you were yeah. able to use that too.
0: Yeah, like, I immediately uh well, because of Charlie Derning. Uh as soon as I made any money, he said, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do for the theater? So I produced a couple of plays. One was Bronx Tale. Okay. And when De Niro bought that, uh, Charlie said, all right, now what are we going to do? And I, so I didn't want to keep producing How did you get plays. to know
1: Charles, Charles Darning Where did you meet him? Oh, I,
0: I'm a vet. So uh, I knew Charlie from the first day I came in in New York and uh, the heat. We got him involved with Vetco. We were all Vietnam vets, okay. and Charlie was the one who introduced us to Joe Papp. Oh, really? Yeah. We, wow. He was, and Joe—that's the biggest loss the theater's ever had. It was when Joe Yeah, he was uh, the godfather of all young writers. You wanted to get in his stable because he didn't really invest in plays. He invested in people. He never really liked Championship Season. But the only reason why I produced it was because for Charlie, because they had been together for all those years.
1: Really? Really? That's then, really
0: cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, I, I, I'll tell you a great Joe Papp story. I got to know him, and he says, all right, Dan, if you find a new play, you bring it to me. And I said, OK. So a year goes by yeah. or so, and our company's doing stuff and he would always come and we get this play it was actually done in Chicago and we're going to do it and uh, I go to him and I said, Joe, I, I, I had a trouble calling him, Joe. I always want to say Mister Pat, but he didn't <laughs> like me. I'd say, Joe, okay, we're going to do this play. He goes, all right, leave it. Let me read it. I figured I'll never hear from him, you yeah, know, nobody ever reads <laughs> the next morning. <laughs> He next morning he calls and he says, uh, get over here. So I go run over. I said, what's the matter? He goes, I hate this blood. I said, all right, but we're going to do it. You just said to show you anything first. He goes, you're going to do it. He goes, what part are you playing? I said, well, the guy in Chicago, if he can't come to New York, I'll play the sergeant. But if he can come, and I offered him to stay on my couch. So Joe Papp said, you're giving me a play that your company is going to do, and you're not going to be in it. And I said, yeah, because I don't i think it's right. This guy did it. He got great reviews. So he says, come back tomorrow. Next day, I came back. He wasn't even there. They sent me right to the production office. They said, here's your budget. Here's the day you're open. Wow. And that guy did come. So I never got to do the play. And the play was Tracers.
1: Wow. Wow. Really? Oh, my
0: God. Yeah. And and this is why I know I have a connection with you. I'm doing our friend Vinny is a playwright. Uh Uh-huh. And he's putting up a series of one acts down at the theater for the new city. And there's a 20-page monologue. And it's... A really great part and it's a really deep a lot of layers. He wants me to direct the thing, right? And then he goes, But I want you to do the monologue. And I go, I can't do both. Yeah. If you want it done right. Right. So I have to do one or the other. Yeah. But I'd rather direct it and we'll find somebody. You just don't want to learn twenty
1: pictures. <laughs> <laughs> you know he called me with, you, you got to talk to yeah, I just it's got from my friend <laughs> Jerry
0: thirty-page monologue. Took me a month to get it. <laughs> what well, I did it, I did you it. You should come to the reading. It's really good. It's a really yeah, of good. It's good. Just not when our play is on. So. Yeah, it's a Monday night. Monday night. November, November. we have Monday performance. We're off Tuesday.
1: Oh,
0: I'm oh. off row. You know where you don't make money. <laughs> right? oh, that's where I. <laughs> the uh, I did the monologue when we did it. Uh, virtually during the pandemic, we had a reading of all, of yeah. and I did the monologue, and it was amazing. And it was like, but I knew I couldn't do both and give it what yeah. it needs. So then I, <laughs> so then I, I found somebody that would be perfect for that part. And then an actor dropped out, and then he goes, "Well, you can play it." And I go, "The whole point of <laughs> me not doing the monologue, which is more of a part what? I was writing." Did he drop out because of? Paying job or did he drop out because it's too much? He couldn't get back to New York. Okay. He got a... Uh, now, during the pandemic, he left New the pandemic York. pandemic changed a lot. Right? <laughs> so the guy couldn't do it. He goes, you do it. I go, the whole reason I didn't take the monologue is because right. I want to do this right. So we got actually... Um, the guy who runs Ronnie's workout gym oh. uh, here at the studio is... Uh, uh, he's gonna do it, and I think he's gonna do such a good job. But I'm the same way, where it's like I just love seeing theater get made, right, right. and uh, I don't have to be in it. Even like we've shot short films and shot different things, and it's like, well, what part are you gonna play? Like, what do you mean that yeah. part? <laughs> Again, you know, well, everybody said, why did you produce you know a Bronx Tale? It's a one-man show, and in, uh, in in Hollywood, and I said, no, it's not. It's one actor, Chaz, pitching a movie. He's just telling you every scene in the movie. It's just storytelling. Oh, wow. That's all it is. So, what better place to do it? And of course, the LA Times, the last, line, a rave review, but the last line was, this is going to be a hell of a movie. So, all the studios came. Wow. That's so, because it really wasn't a one man show. Yeah. You know? It was a very s- specific story it's storytelling yeah right? so, and that's still the basis of any good movie or good tv show is telling a story you know yeah now so speaking of stories you come up you're a new yorker a young you move out to long island go to high school football player you're going to go to yeah, you're going go to go to college, to, college to play football, right? Yeah, I only got in because of football. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yeah, I'm that's a complete good. idiot. We went we on the yeah. same path, yeah. back, but you went in the playwriting. Well, you know, I, I, I had a big advantage over everybody when I went to college because I, I I even had to cheat to get into college. I mean, I, I I was an idiot. I never, I couldn't pass anything. I never read a book in my life. So I went there, I did well my freshman year football-wise, and then they were gonna kick me out of school because I had no grades, my grades were terrible. And the football coach dragged me over and said, I really think you would be a good coach, but you can't you know, go on if, unless you get your degree. So for the first time in my life, I was 19 years old, I read. And I've been a fanatical reader ever since. And I made Dean's lists wow. all through college and then even in grad school. And I just love to read. Dude, so, so we. Whereas I felt so sorry for the kids in high school who worked so hard for those A's <laughs> yeah. and B's. All I did was drink and fool around play ball. Right? <laughs> and then when they went to college, it was harder. Yeah, I never did it. So I said, "All right, I'll try to read a book. I'll probably fail. I just couldn't stop reading, you know. Like I never passed a math test in my life. <laughs> as soon as they said they were going to kick me out of school, I went and I studied the math. I remember I went down the hall and talked to a guy. I said. Is this what I'm doing right? He goes, yeah. How'd you figure that out? I said, well, the book says, do that.
1: (laughs) I never thought to read the book. I never thought to read the book. I thought they tell you things. Yeah, they actually, you know, (laughs) do what the book says. What position did you play in football? Linebacker. And I would call the
0: defensive plays. That's why my coach thought I might have had a brain somewhere. Because I liked that. You know, while well, everybody else was chewing <laughs> leather and screaming and yelling, and I was yeah. like, Oh, just that's like know. acting. And yeah. Very focused. You know, you have to Man. I they, think that's
1: why I, I think that's why a lot of good athletes become actors.
0: You stay in the game.
1: Yeah. And keep Yeah, yeah there's that focused and yeah. then you know, you see it a lot. That's, when people talk about stand up, I
0: always compare it to being a quarterback. Like I have a playbook. Then I watch the audience come in, and it's like watching the defense, and like, okay, these yeah. are the plays I'm probably gonna do. Then when I get to the microphone, it's like calling Audibles at the line. Yeah, They're not guy, going guy, for guy, it! Guy. <laughs> <laughs> you Utah, <talk>, Utah! You <laughs> so, but you know, you have to, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I just enjoy watching people and reading, and I, I like, to read things about real people like i still think the funniest things are not jokes but real things yeah True. i I give you an example i'm on a long island railroad going out to see my friends right this is not a joke this really happened two conductors walk by and all i heard the one says i know you know the guy big tall italian guy his name begins with an s and the other conductor says gerba <laughs> Now you can't write that. (laughs) (laughs) I put it in the play I wrote, and everybody said, "Oh, where'd you go (laughs) to (laughs) church?" I didn't
1: write that. I didn't (laughs) write that.
0: you know. (laughs) And I love, but you got to be aware. Of yeah. that and I think reading about other people makes you aware that somebody might be saying something really interesting right next year. yeah, yeah. become a yore you know you're looking at them you're watching them you know? I'll give you another I uh, your audience might be too young but Orson Wells the great Orson Wells at the end of his career he sold the uh, wine Boy, we will sell no wine before yeah. its time remember yes all right i'm walking out of my my apartment on 45th street there's a manhole cover there's the con ed rope it's a big heavy guy sitting a hole eating a sandwich and his partner there is on one of those blue plastic milk carton cases with the con ed hat he's reading a newspaper and this is all i heard i did not make this up (laughs) The guy with the paper, the skinny guy with the paper says, oh, look, Orson Welles. And the fat guy goes, who? And he says, you know, the guy who sold the wine before it's time. (laughs) Now the fat guy looks at the picture and he goes, oh, he's dead, you know. And the other guy says, oh, that was good wine. (laughs) (laughs) Right? now, Can you write that? I mean that,
1: have That's, you ever seen the uh the commercial where it's on YouTube? Oh, Wells gets drunk on all cursing. Yeah, and he's just, yeah. Oh, the friend <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're right though. It I it is just watching people. I I love to do that. Yeah. Try and come up with like I might be able like as an actor, I might be able to use this guy. Yeah, right. But as right. A, as a writer too, you yeah. might, you know.
0: Oh, I I think writing, you get the best characters watching these people. (laughs) When did you switch to play, uh, to writing? Like, was that one? I I was never, uh, I was never a playwright who acted. I was always an actor who wrote plays. All my plays, uh, you mentioned Ray Abruzzo. He, the last play that I had up here in New York, I actually wrote it for... Uh, Peter Falk, uh, Jack Flugman, Dom DeLuise, and Charles Derny. And i they actually read it wow. together. But then Dom passed, and Peter, surprisingly. It's
1: a shame you couldn't get any <laughs> big names. Uh, we used to
0: go to dinner all the time. You would have loved those Oh things. Really? Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, Dom said hello, and Jack was on the floor. Yeah. You know. But then I, I buried the play, and then whenever he, They were all gone. I called Ray and I said, you're you're one of the only people I know who could actually play Peter's part in Act One and Jack's part in Act Two. So he played a tough mafia guy. Big Anthony Jr. And in the second act, he was the Uncle Sid. He was an 80-year-old old Jewish guy, so he'd make up, and then he got killed twice a night. We killed him. So, of great um, but I always wrote four actors. You know, I have a new play now that I've written. I hope to do it with Mindy, Wendy Malik. We were supposed to go up but COVID, so I'm hoping in spring we'll get back out. That's great. So, and some are, you know, I write all different kinds of Maybe. Everybody says, what's your agenda? I said, you know, "Yeah, know, silly. To, whatever's in front of me. Uh, yeah, whatever's in front of me. <laughs> I, I guess the reason I keep prodding of asking when you switched because then you got out of college. You went to Vietnam. Right? I was in the Marine Corps for three years. We got ordered to Vietnam. We got stopped on uh, Okinawa because they were pulling the Marines out. This was 71. And I stayed there, and just a month before I was supposed to come back home, they brought uh, some South Vietnamese over to Okinawa and we were training them on how to call our Marine pilots from Thailand. And then I went back in with them, but only for a couple of weeks. So I want to make it clear. I wasn't there. Some of my friends sourced some very heavy. Stuff. If you're there a day or you're there a month, it's still tough. So, yeah, it's a good place to be from. Yeah, and I yeah. always say I never met a Marine who wanted to be in South Vietnam. We wanted to be in North Vietnam or we wanted to go home. That's my so my father and my father-in-law, my father-in-law is a Marine. He has mm-hmm. uh, two purple hearts and you know Vietnam. Almost died, yeah, almost yeah. died of malaria. My father was an air traffic controller who was in the Philippines the whole time. Mm-hmm. So depending on who you asked, Vietnam was a very
1: different <laughs> different yeah. thing. Yeah.
0: My dad, you know. Oh, yeah, we were getting drunk every night, hanging out with chicks, drinking beers, yeah, air yeah. conditioning. My father-in-law was like, yeah, I got blown up the second day I was there. Yeah. And they sent me Surprised even talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> But, you know, the uh, the big thing for me was being a vet was being with Vetco. Or, uh, we were all Vietnam veterans, and we were an acting company. And, of course, Charles Durning helping us, you know. <laughs> so it was... Uh, so you were like the, roughly the same age as when you were doing the Wonder Years as would have been the Korean War? Yes, that's and why it were, says in the... That was my only contribution in Wonder Years, is uh, talk with the writers, Neil and Carol, they created it, Bob Brush, who became the head writer. And I said, uh, I'm a Marine, there any chance, you know, you can read, uh, Jack Arnold could be a Marine. Yeah. And they came back the next day and said, "Well, obviously you can't be a Vietnam vet because it takes place it's during the time, but we're going to make you a Korean War vet." And they used it a lot. They yeah, I yeah, they, they I love it. that. Show. At least one episode a year, usually more, maybe two. Uh, there was some reference to me being in the service. Well, I was the same age as Kevin Arnold. Yeah, while it was airing, yeah. but it was the you know 90s. Yeah, and uh, and you're. You look a lot like my father, yeah, and I look a lot like Fritz. So when that show would come on, that was like our family.
1: You're right. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) They had a
0: very interesting thing. They had, um, I I think it was the L.A. Times. They one Father's Day they had this thing with what TV dad would you most like to have had? I wasn't even on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Then the next year they said, what TV dad? was most like the one you did have. I was number
1: one. So nobody wanted me, <laughs> everybody had me. <laughs> really? But in a way, that's a compliment to you. Yeah. Huh? you yeah. know? And the writers, yeah. yeah the writers, yeah. yeah. That's
0: funny. <laughs> have
1: you seen the reboot?
0: Yeah, uh, I I, I saw the pilot, and it was very good. And uh, you know, I wish Fred well, and Delay Hill's a friend of mine who's playing my part, and he, we talked no. on the phone. <laughs> You know, I, I my only thing was why did they wait so long? I, I think that now we, should, you know, maybe ten years from now, and we'll have a Hispanic version, and then uh, yeah. you know, maybe an Asian version. As long as they keep the reality of it, I think the timing though was good because you still have the people who the Wonder Years, I feel like, spoke to, like my father, mm-hmm. was going. This is my childhood, yeah. you know, and they're old enough that they'll still watch it. But now my generation, I'm 40, I grew up watching The Wonder Years. So now it's out, I'm going, I want to watch this because it brings nostalgia to me about a show about nostalgia. So there was a reason why a lot of the knockoffs didn't work that came right after, is most of those shows, like Brooklyn Bridge, which I thought was a good show, very well acted. But the creators saw himself as the kid, and they would always make the kids smarter than everybody. Yeah. Whereas the Wonder Years, more than half the shows, you heard the narrator say, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it was really a growing experience. And that's why uh, a lot of elementary schools still show certain, like they always showed the one where I take Fred to work, you know, and, and when the selling of the car, you know, they all thought I was cheap so until <laughs> I saw the car go away. and <laughs> All the memories, you know. But they, it was a good show. It was good, and it was a good show because it was good writing, and we had great guest stars. You know, yeah. and, uh, it was just—it's always the writing. You know, with comedy, you can—if it's not well written, I mean, you can punch a joke, and you might get a cheap laugh once in a while. But if the material isn't there, it's—I
1: think that's right. You see a lot of. Start like people, big or in big TV shows, and then they get their own show. Yeah, and the show's terrible because they had to pay the the star the money, and they probably cheaped out on the the writers and right. things like that. Yeah, you know, um, that's always a danger.
0: Yeah, well, they know? were adamant on the Wonder Years; they didn't want yet Matter of fact, when the Wonder Years went on, the only one that might have been known by the public really was Fred. Because he had done uh, oh, *The Prince Boy Who Could Fly*, oh, and then right after the first year was Princess *The Princess yeah. Bride*. Uh, so I hadn't—I did soap operas here in New York, but I hadn't done much television. A couple things here, and Allie, who played my wife, she was on a show, but it only lasted like six episodes. Nobody, Danica, Winnie Cooper, her sister came to audition. And they saw her out in the oh, room wow. and they brought her in. Are That's you a, kidding? Wow. wow. She's a math genius.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I remember David Schwimmer was on in the beginning. David when was. Uh, you almost beat him up a couple of times. Yeah, it was my <laughs> son in law yeah.
0: on that. Yeah. When Olivia Dalbo played the No, it was great. And. Uh, Josh Saviano, the friend. He's yeah, a big uh, lawyer here and an investment yeah, yeah. lawyer. Yeah, my brother knows him. Yeah. Brother, brother works. Yeah, we play golf. When he comes out to LA, we play golf. I gotta call him oh, the show. No, he's funny that he did that and then the um what's the kid's name from the Goonies? He's a big lawyer too. Law. Uh, entertainment life. Yeah, that's uh, one of the big misconceptions is uh, the kids on television all have terrible lives. It's, that's a lot of horseshit. 15%. It's like anything else. Yeah, yeah. 15% are on, but if Danica was here or Fred was here or Josh, they would tell you they had the best education. There was one on one. We had a guy named David Cohen who, after well, two weeks i think danicus told me he went to the producers said this girl's a genius we have to get her specialty and he was wow. right he knew wow. it in two weeks wow. and so it's when yeah. i do a lecture at college I, I i say our business is like any other business 15 percent of the people i work with are total assholes <laughs> and 85 percent are trying to do the best they can it might not be the best material. It might be, you know, some cheap little show or something, but we're trying to give the public the best we can. The only difference with our business and another corporate business is our business promotes the 15%. Yeah, yeah. You wreck a hotel room, you're on every paper, and then you get people like Danica, who does so much for kids with these books, our, our friend Joe Montaigne. The nicest guy in the world, a great actor. I mean, just an asset to any city. But you don't hear that. You, no. you, you're gonna if that Joe, for him. some reason, did something wrong, that would be all over the paper. They couldn't. But you him, won't man. hear about all what he does for uh, autism and everything, yeah. and for the vets. You know, so.
1: Yeah, My, well, I remember there was a rumor that Josh. It was Marilyn Manson. Yeah, <laughs> my dad actually drove the school People really believed it. You know, my
0: dad drove the school bus. Marilyn Manson, the real guy, took the school. Oh, academy. really? he was quite quick. a kid from North Carolina, Ohio.
1: How have I never heard that story before? I know. <laughs> Do we have many Marilyn Manson conversations? <laughs> We've been doing the show for three years. You think that would have come up, Mark?
0: No, matter of fact, John, he's such a good guy. He he offered to do a charity thing where he would come on stage and stand next to...
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and they, he said, I would have done it. They said they weren't interested. That's funny. Oh, that was uh, brilliant. I think that would be a great fundraiser raise, raise yeah, money. And... <laughs> that's funny. They Speaking can... of incredible stories, I remember, so I was on that same set on i Suited With You. You made the day fly by. I could have stayed with you the entire time just for your story. Like, every story you had and a weird common theme that we had in our shows, we had some incredible Frank Sinatra stories and yours... Is one of my favorites by oh. far. I would love you to share it. Uh, well, I, I have so many. I'm not sure which one when the, I first you met. Start
1: at the beginning. When how about you first met, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's start with that. That's I think. It, yeah, I think of, yeah. <laughs> let's start at <laughs> the beginning. Now you had to be. Did you know you were meeting him ahead of time, or did you? Well,
0: we we were invited to the Frank Sinatra golf tournament. Okay. What year was this? That oh. Uh, it's got to be 30 years ago now so matter of fact the first year I wasn't even invited but then the second year was when the Wonder Years happened so it had to be 88 okay so uh you go you know they have all these tables and the guests of and and you play golf and it was like a barbecue then you played uh, golf again, and it was a gala, black tie, and Frank always sang. Oh, wow. And uh, before him, there would be Liza Minnelli or Tony Bennett or the biggest names wow. would sing. Then there'd be a break, and then Frank would sing. So we actually heard his last live performance. <laughs> so I'm invited to go because I'm on the Wonder Years. So I go. And uh, matter of fact, I was the one who told Joe about it and mentioned Joe, who. They got to be close, and Dennis Farina, my buddy. (laughs) But the first year I go, it's like 50 tables. I'm number 49. (laughs) Frank's one, you know. (laughs) You can't get me there. So, and after the gala, there's a special party at his house. And if you have a star on your invitation, you can go there ain't no star on my invitation
1: <laughs> I, I looked in the <laughs> envelope like, I feel like excuse me something's <laughs> wrong <laughs> my star must have fallen off yeah <laughs> nothing couldn't get anywhere near. so
0: but at the end of the night you know you walk past this table thank you for being here and you get to shake Frank's hand and thanks hope see you next year you, know, you don't even know who the hell I am you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> so they were snapshots on Long Island. And one of my best friends in high school, uh, this woman I knew, and married two kids, nothing romantic. And she has lupus disease. And she calls and she says, oh, I saw the pictures. I would love to go to something like that. So the next year, I sent her a first class uh, plane ticket. I said, tell your husband I'm robbing you. You're coming in a Sinatra thing. So I'm at table 48,
1: wow. year, moving on wow. up. Ratings went up. Ratings went up. <laughs> no star, you know. Still no star, back. getting closer. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so
0: she says, I really like to meet Frank Sinatra and Barbara Sinatra. And I think Kurt Douglas was the guest of honor and era at that table. And I think Tony Bennett was singing. Oh, uh, he does a good Tony. Uh, yeah. Okay. I got another story about that. So. What happens is, she says, "I want to meet him," and I said, "At the end of the night, we'll get to the shake their hand, but that's it." Now she says, "I got to go to the ladies' room," and she is gone a long time. And I'm worried. I'm thinking maybe she had an attack or something. She comes walking in with Barbara Sinatra. Yeah, 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 get right past me, right to the table one. Frank's hugging her. I'm in the back, going, "Yo, hey, nothing,
1: nothing, not a thing." I'm you.
0: So, I that,
1: that is so now she comes back and I said, you couldn't call me at least because oh, they're so nice. You wouldn't believe how nice they are. I said, no, I wouldn't know. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway, the night goes on. It's over. They're going to go to their party. We come walking by and she hugs Barbara Sinatra. Frank shakes her hand, kisses her hand. And then I said, hi, Mr. You know, who's the schmuck? oh yeah i'll see you next year and then barbara whispers something in frank's ear and frank's not sure goes like this way to go kid i'll see you next year right i said yeah sure i leave month later i get my credit card bill no charge for the airline ticket Two months later, <laughs> there's no charge. So I call back then you can hear him typing. Yeah. And they said it's been taken care of. Oh, <laughs> I man. said, you know how hard it is to get into somebody else's credit card? Now American Airlines was one of the sponsors, so I'm sure there was a connection. Anyway. Yeah. So now I go to next year. I'm not even with my friend Nancy, you know, I'm I get in, boom, there's the star. I'm at table twenty. Even you know. Joe said, "Who well, you?" Know. <laughs> so, but Joe was always invited to the party. So I go to the party, and I'm sitting next to Tony Bennett because one of his good friends was Joe Montana. I don't know what to say, and all of a sudden, Frank Sonsier, and I stood up and I said, Mrs. goes, Frank, from now on, uh, oh, okay, I could never do it. But I, and I said, I just want to thank you. No, 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 you're my friend now. And he couldn't remember people's names, so he gave everybody nicknames. That's yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, and I, he knew I was a Marine. Some of them said, so "Jarhead, you're my friend now." Wow! And I was always invited. And I'll tell you how far it went. He, when I was married, my wife and I would go down to the Barbara Sinatra Hospital when we didn't have to. It was no event. If we went to Palm Springs, we went to see the kids. You know. <laughs> 'Cause of wonder years and the kids love that, you know. That's, but he said if I'm ever in Palm Springs, stop at his house. So I go a couple times for the kids, nothing. And then all of a sudden, about the fourth time I went, I get a call. Hey, Jawhead, you were here, you didn't stop? I said, oh, I didn't know you were in town. He goes, no, no, you stop. You stop. Boy, wow. well, I'll tell you, we went down about four or five more times. <laughs> he wasn't home. Once I went down there to play golf, I go there, he was, Jarhead, come on in sit down. Except for a couple.
1: Wow so and then did he uh, so obviously your friend must have told barbara the story yes and then she related to frank and frank and that that he thought that, that was, was really it. great
0: of you. yeah you were a class wow. but he would never let you thank him for it no that's what we're supposed to do wow we don't mean he didn't want that you yeah, yeah. So, see it's good great stuff
1: that's yeah. awesome yeah
0: and i i i liked him i i just thought he was uh, okay i i I always wanted to talk to him about acting, you know. He'd rather talk about music, but I thought he was a great actor, you know. But every once in a while, I can get him. He goes, yeah, you know, man with the golden arm. I, I don't know. I just, and you could see. You know, who's you know I, I didn't ask him, like, any of those stupid things, like, how did you get from here to attorney or hear any of that mob stuff? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. You know, was there really a horse's head? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I
0: just asked him about the, the character. I the, the, with Sinatra being such a great singer, but then kind of getting pulled into the acting world. but And the same with Elvis. If you watch Elvis movies, he's actually a pretty good actor. Well he yeah, he wasn't I don't think he was at the level of Frank Sinatra, but he was he was a good actor. But just because you're a great singer, it doesn't mean you're a good actor. No, and Tony well, Bennett tried a couple of weren't. times. Well, that's oh that's true. Him.
1: Tony Bennett never did anything. Yeah, the
0: Oscar was in the name of one of the movies. He 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 just he didn't like it, whereas Frank really
1: because I always felt singers and for the most part, if you think about Judy Garland, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, they they had a gift for comedy because they understood timing. Yeah, you have to really know. And they all understand. admired
0: Bing Crosby. They all thought he was a great entertainer yeah. and, and actor. Yeah, but and that's kind of award winner. Yeah. I guess as a, as a singer, the, of uh, a good singer, because nowadays a good singer is just people who can hit the notes. Yeah. But back then, there was so much feeling in their voices when they oh say, yeah yeah that they knew how to interpret the word oh yeah so Psycho- you got time I will give you another one Could you like talking yeah. we got as much time as we, we, we we're playing, playing cards right Jerry Bale would play wow. so yeah yeah Jerry and Jerry was you know he's one of Frank's so, um so. We're playing cards, and I—I I, I don't know if it was me, but somebody said to him, uh, "If you could have anybody else's voice, who would you want?" And we thought he would say Frank Sinatra, and he said, "The vo- a voice? Uh, oh, Vic Damone." And I went, "What?" He goes, "Oh yeah, best pipes, best range, all this." So now we go to the Sinatra thing. This couple years later, I'm with Joe Montana. We're sitting next to Tony Bennett. Joe gets up and leaves. I'm stuck with Tony Bennett. I don't know what to say. I can't sing a note. I don't even sound good in the shower. <laughs> so I'm, I'm terrible. I don't know what to say. So I said, uh, Mr. Bennett, if you could have anybody else's voice, who would you want? And I'm saying, he's going to say Frank. And he says, Pick them I'm like,
1: That's what Jerry Vance said.
0: <laughs> he says, oh, yeah, best set of pipes. And over my shoulder here, what about Vic? And it's Frank Sinatra. And I said, I, I can't believe this, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't go home. <laughs> I said, I can't believe this, sir. He, you should have given <laughs> Jerry him. Jerry Vail. Yeah, I should have. <laughs> Jerry Vale, and, and, and said Victor Mullins. He goes, oh, we don't say Victor Mullins. The best vibes. I said, no offense. Victor Mullins, great singer. but He's not Tony Bennett. He's not Frank Sinatra. He goes, no style. Yeah. So stupid me Because I don't know anything about music Yeah. I said I know you're going to laugh But you know who I like to hear sing Jimmy Durante And Frank Waxby What?
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> stupid!
0: And the two of them Because <laughs> I was the audience now Are talking about Jimmy Durante and Louis Armstrong On how they phrase mm-hmm. Songs yeah. And then Frank says you ever, ever hear the schnoz sing gospel? I said, what? I still have the disc he sent me. He wow. it to me. Yeah, it's called uh, um, uh, Jimmy Durante uh, Songs for a Sunday Morning. Wow. And it's Jimmy Durante singing gospel. And it's
1: amen, <laughs> amen. <laughs> and
0: you can hear every note, you know? And I, and I said to him, you know, Charlie Durante always says he works a lot with George and Scott. He says, what made Scott such an exception was the way he phrased it." And Scott is the only actor I know who can put two syllables in the word God. He never says God. He says, God. God. No. <laughs> and and Frank says, yeah, it's all about that. And these two pros with this schmuck in the middle, and they were, you thought they were 18 and just started singing. Um, Not that they were the two greatest. It had nothing. It didn't matter. It's really yeah. cool to hear that people of that level are still fans. Oh, yeah. Ask me what uh, the, my favorite thing I ever did. Your favorite thing you ever did? The next one. <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. I said, never go back. So, like you talk about the one years, great. Love it. I'd rather talk about the next thing I'm going to do. When you, when you approach... Being from a writing, more of a writing background, even though you're an actor first, do you go character work first, or do you do the words first? Well, I'm not a method actor, so all the answers are in the words. So, I, I almost learned the words I love wrote. Saying. I, mean, I have, Even the play I'm doing right now, you can ask anybody in it, I have never showed up on the first day of rehearsal with a book in my hand. I am off book, and the rest of the rehearsal process is finding the character. Wow. I don't want to be thinking about what are the words.
1: Remember, Rob Bartlett said that about Nathan Lane.
0: Yeah, I know, that
1: he showed up first day and everything memorized.
0: Yeah, and then you work on your character. Wow. So just eliminate all of. It. You know, I I, I knew Mitchum, who was. Uh, uh, he wouldn't talk I about that. I love that he's just saying, saying this casually. Like well, <laughs> we, we knew him from the National Veterans Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pictures at the house with him and Jimmy Stewart. Well, I never got to work with these people, but I knew him. Mitch was, he was a rough guy. Yeah. He was a rough guy, but it, he liked me, and I liked him. He called me a wop from the day he met me. He called Charlie during chubby. <laughs> Nobody called Yeah, but uh, he said... But he was, in a a way, he's right. He said, we couldn't get him to talk about acting, but he said, what's so hard? The other guy talks, you listen. He stops, you talk. That was it. Mm -hmm. But if you watch his acting, it's that simple for him. It's just simple. And then uh, there was Charlie Durney would save these interviews. And there was one... um, about Lawrence Olivia was in the New York Times, an old one, talking about that he was the only British actor who did accents. None of them do accents. I mean, James Mason, great actor, when he plays Rommel, he's the only one with a British accent. <laughs> They're all talking German <laughs> They just don't change their voice, except Olivia. He would do accent. And he said, and this That's thing, true. he said, it's not natural. I have to study, just like Meryl Streep. She gets a coach. She tries to go to the area to listen to the people. But then Olivia said, and then after I have it all down, I work on my script. I know my lines. I have the accent down. I try to become as natural with it as Robert Mitchell. Mitch's wow. accents are perfect. Yeah. If you look at Cape Fear, it's, if you say, oh, that's a great Southern accent, he'd go, no, that's a North Carolina. <laughs> wow. He could listen to you for 10 minutes and mimic you. He was unbelievable. Exactly. Australian, when he does the Sundowners, Eddie Coyle, yeah. he doesn't do that fake uh, park car Harvey. You know, he does it. you think he was from Washington. <laughs> so I said to him, like, come on, it's Mitch, it's Olivia, you know? He's, he goes, I have perfect pitch. I said, I don't know anything my me. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I go to somebody on a crew. I say, read my lines. And I listen. I look at their lips. I say, okay, let's do it. Said, it's just acting. It's not brain surgery. Wow.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <laughs> it's blowing.
0: <laughs> what? Now, the, not to put you on a spot and have to pick somebody specifically, but right now, Who would, playwright-wise, who would you love to, like, they're going to let you take a stab at one of their new plays? Oh, Lonigan. Lonigan, Yeah. There's a couple out there that are good. I'm worried more about the ones we're not finding because theater, especially regional theaters, are so down with this COVID thing, and it is so hard to get a new play done. I mean, I admire any famous actor that comes back to the theater. I think we all should. But when I see a big name do a revival, I just... Ah, why don't you get some new play? Use your name for Use good. your name to bring up a new play. I don't need to hear the... 15th production oh, of uh, you know one, I don't want to mention anymore. anything I might yeah. have something that's going no. on <laughs> so I, I, I just I don't need to see that again and half these plays are plays that would not even be looked considered if they were written today yeah I mean if you were gonna do death of a salesman tell you had never seen it was never written it was given to you today you would cut a third of it because it's so repetitive yeah but so, well, this is a perfect segue into what you've been up to over the pandemic, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, oh, well, I've been, I've been doing a lot of writing and I'm, I'm very much against doing these plays live on Zoom because, especially a new play, a writer is never going to hear their play because it freezes, uh, people get lost in the script. You know, the reading series I had, we might have only had one rehearsal. but We had great actors and you read through it. At least the writer could hear what they wrote. So the only uh, I did do one project was called Sitting and Talking with my dear friend, Wendy Malley. And even Stacey Keats said, geez, how come that works so well? I said, one, it wasn't a play. It was written for Zoom. It's two old people who meet each other during COVID on a Zoom call. (laughs) I said, the other thing is, it's written in eight scenes, and we rehearsed with James Glossman, the the director, and Leah Romeo wrote it. (laughs) Great writer. We rehearsed each scene from beginning to end. And then when we went to shoot it, if anything went wrong, if there was a glitch or something went wrong, we stopped and started off. So each scene was done continuously, and then it was put together with music. It's not, it's only an hour long. It's not a three-hour play with two flat faces looking at you. So that worked, but it wasn't a play. You know, people say, wow, you made that play. It's, no, that wasn't a play. Right. You know, They try to do a Christmas story, uh, the musical, on Zoom. Oh, what a disaster. Yeah, I it froze every two seconds. People were jumping in because they thought they, had, they couldn't find the place.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: I think it was the worst thing to happen to the theater. If young people think that's what theater is, we're never going to get it back. Yeah. We did a couple readings, but they were more for us. Yeah. Actors needing to, like, let's get together. Well, it's desperation. So, yeah.
1: Didn't I read that you were in a musical?
0: I know. I can't sing in I, 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 I'm in a musical.
1: Yeah. Well, helped me
0: <laughs> Can Can I The Christmas story. I'm the narrator. I didn't have to sing it no. oh, Okay. How about right. yeah. you think you're going to let me sing? I would empty the house. The Christmas story. The first day of rehearsal, John Randall, a great director, Tony Award winner. He said, "Dan, walk out and on an eight count." He said, "Count slower." What? <laughs> I don't, give me an eight count. I told you I can't sing. So there's a little girl, Lynn. She was one of the only ones who who didn't grow. So she was in both years. I did it both. I said, uh, Lynn. I said, Lynn, when you when you walk up stage, look in the wing, and wink, or else I won't know when to come in. Are you serious? <laughs> that's no. what I told her. That's just Every show, every performance we did, she'd walk up stage, she'd wink, and go like this. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'd walk on. Thanks, Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, no, that was a fun show. I and I think. Uh, Peter Billings and Vince Vaughn, who are the producers, they made more money off the novelties.
1: Yeah, back...
0: The leg lamp, Mm -hmm. and they had small ones. People would come in and buy 20, 30 of them at a time. You know, so... Wow. What were you doing with Durango? Durango Playfest. Wendy Malek and I, uh, we started... uh, She's awesome, by the way. Oh, Oh, Wendy? Yeah. Very few people have had three hit series in three different decades
1: she yeah dream
0: on just shoot me and hot and clean yeah so she's the betty white but i know wendy uh, as a, a very strong dramatic actress so most of the plays we do for fun right, like love letters we'll do and um, but we went to durango which is most beautiful place in the world we did the play The Guy, is about the firemen that died at 9-11 because they had huge fires around that area. We were raising money and we had to add two more shows because there is no real theater there and people would come forever. So we said, oh, what a great place like the O'Neill Festival. So we every year we bring in four uh, writers, Four directors and at least two stars for each project. We rehearse for a week and then we do a reading and at four different locations and the audience changes. They rotate the audience. So in two nights, you can see four new plays, Man, that's uh, awesome. it, it, it's their readings, but they're rehearsed readings and they're set up and. Uh, we were getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then COVID hit. So this last year, we only did three plays. Actually, we tried to make a play out of the one I was telling you, sitting and talking. But it's all to develop new writers. You know, it's always about always about the writing. So once we lose that, we're gone. What are some of your thoughts on how we can try to save the theater? Because theater has been... We talked about it earlier. Like, I, the thing that always... I feel like off, off Broadway and off Broadway is a dying Yeah, thing because of the money, yeah, unions and money, and uh, they're making it theater for the rich. And if they know the history, especially in America, especially around the turn of the century, theater was for the poor you know each ethnic group the Jewish theater, the Italian theater they, they all had and then doing the unions waiting for lefty in the 30s and 40s it was always the platform for the people now we've priced the people out and we and there's I thought Lombardi was a great play Tom Kale directed it and with Judith and me uh, Judith Light and we thought Broadway was gonna love us because here was a play that will bring in truck drivers who never go to
1: theater.
0: You know, and it'll be a great play for regional theater. Well we weren't we ran longer than any other um, a dramatic new play. We—they said we wouldn't make ten months, uh, ten weeks. We went eleven months. Well, so, uh, but we were, didn't get any nominations. I thought that was a terrible mistake. Well, Judith
1: Light was the only one,
0: but Tommy didn't get nominated. Lighting guy. The, the, they all had a lot of credit. And I thought, boy, there was an opportunity to say, hey, Pittsburgh, hey, Cleveland, especially in the NFL city. Well, that year, a that year you guys came out, Packers Pittsburgh won. would not really accept Yeah, Pittsburgh, yeah, I'm pretty right. sure you picked the The Packers won. I know, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and us Pittsburgh fans weren't happy about yeah. that. Why I mean, I think I, because I, they try to make it too elitist
1: no but i mean for like lombardi because i remember reading about it and um it seemed like what you just said like the perfect idea and it just a, a wonderful it didn't have a huge cast and didn't have to no. have a huge a budget behind it why did they shut it why why didn't they Yep. I I have no idea. I, I think it's
0: because it was a blue collar play and it was a lead. Ah, oh, I God. I feel like the same thing that happened to you guys is the same thing the Steppenwolf Theater when they come to New York. You're like, they're doing one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. Yeah. They got you know a, a, a star that is a middle America star that the, this is going to be amazing. Everybody's going to want to see this. And they just really, it's almost like the PR department was like, Oh, we'll pass on this. Yeah. Like, well, uh, look, what's changing in that area is uh, plays are counting more on what people say on their Facebooks than they are critics. Mm-hmm. You you gotta, Charlie o. Durning always had a thing about critics. He'd always say, you know, the problem with critics is they see too much. <laughs> the everything you do in front of a critic will be compared to something. They can't accept oh. it for what it is. Right? Yeah. So, a real avid theater goer, a New Yorker, might see five or six plays a year, maybe go to another five or six readings. That's an avid play. That, a, a critic sees 50 plays a year, yeah. you know, yeah. if they're doing their job. Yeah. So, you're always in. That's why I, that Charlie was the one, I, that's why I don't do revivals. I got really, when I started, I got really good. Reviews in Virginia somewhere, and Charlie looked at and said, "Nobody cares if you're good in Cincinnati. <laughs> better stay here, do a new play, let everybody see." Um, isn't it weird that we're so like, uh, you know, that it is like we have these New York critics that can make or break the show going out on the road. Not as much now as when I started. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean shows would close if clive barnes or frank rich gave it a bad review but frank langella great actor he wouldn't work in new york until frank rich left wow you know for a long while and uh and you know somebody like i don't i don't really i met frank three times i don't really know him but like like charlie said i totally understand how he feels when he did inherit the wind with george C. scott he They wanted to put him up for Best Actor, and, you know, he didn't get a nomination for Tony. And he said, no, no, Supporting Actor. And he said, oh, no, too big a role. Well, Charlie showed him the original cast. Ed Begley Sr. played his part, was nominated for Best Supporting. You know? And they... No. (laughs) But they didn't even know their own history, so... (laughs) Fighting with these people, it's... I, I, I think... They're in the place I was when I was in high school. <laughs> Fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: what made you, you you studied to be a playwright in college? You say? graduate school. Graduate school. So When did you decide I oh, want to act? Like, how was it just part of the process? Yeah, of, I, I acted this? in undergraduate.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. And I was in the Marine Corps and I had a great teacher, Constance Wells. She started to Yale German. Mm-hmm. She sent me plays while I was in the service. And you mm-hmm. know, so I would look at them and I read a couple that actually she liked. And I said, oh, I could do better than that. So I started writing. And then when I came out, I was coaching football, at had and I wrote a play, and I said to the University of Connecticut. They had some kind of contest, and they said you can come for playwriting, and it was a scholarship. So I said, I'll oh, give it a try. <laughs> and I've been writing. I don't know what time you have to take off. Pretty I soon. I don't want to steal with no. all your time. Now you're bored with me. I'm trying to I don't, know. No, no,
1: never, never. <laughs> never. You go up in lindenhurst
0: yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I live in Long now.
0: Yeah, Long Island was a great place to go up. Huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. when we you were young. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I grew up in Staten Island, but I live in Long Island. I went the wrong way. Uh, you, you found the reverse. <laughs> okay. I
0: was gonna say, when did Staten Island come in? You mentioned it.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. What? Okay. Here you go. Was just, what? Um. You said earlier you worked with Hanks. What you work with Hanks on? Yeah. Uh, uh, Tom Hanks
0: directed uh, Earth to the Moon. Mm-hmm. And the two segments on am mm-hmm. in, he directed. Okay. And like I said before, you 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 hear all these things about how nice Tom Hanks is. He's even nicer. Wow. I mean you know like Charlie Derning would always say there are people that make you proud to be an actor. Tom Hanks is one. Wow. Good person.
1: Wow. I, I, See, like right. Mitchum, right. you go, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, funny, because it's funny because God Mitchum, he always came off that way. You oh, know? Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: Well, he was just tough. He was just... Yeah. Again, I'll I, I give you this a, a story. We, we get a play called Thanksgiving. It's about four old gay men meet Thanksgiving. One hadn't been there in 15 years. So I give it to Charlie to read. Charlie said, man, this, this, this guy can write. So he said, I'll do the play, so the reading, just give him the reading. So we go to play cards at night. Rod Steiger's there. Charlie says, ask Steiger to read. Ask Steiger to read the play. I said, you know, Rod was one of those, oh, no, I don't. I said, I said, hey, Rod, would you ever do a reading? He goes, oh, how many rehearsals? You know, I need a lot of rehearsals. I said, no, no, just one rehearsal. But you get the script ahead of time. And we got. Well, if Charlie's doing it, let um, me read it. And then he reads and he says, now, two nights later, Charlie and I go to the National Veterans Center and Mitch is there. Mitch, like I said, Mitch a tough guy. So Charlie says, you ain't got a hair on your ass if you don't ask Mitch to do a read Oh, my god. I said, you want me to ask him to read an old gay guy, Robin? He goes, yeah. So I go, hey, Mitch, would you ever do one of our readings? First thing you have to know, how many rehearsals? <laughs> so, just one. There's no blocking. You read it, you pick out the narration during the rehearsal, and then you read it for the new audience, you know? <laughs> he goes, well, if you find something good, let me know. So Charlie's, I said, well, we got a good one. Charlie's doing so's Robert Stagger." So he goes Hey, to Charlie, he goes, hey, Chuck, any good? He Charlie says, real good. He goes, I'm in. So now, stupid me, <laughs> I say... Just want you to know, it's about four old gay men. And boy, he gave me a look. He said, if it's well written, I'll do it. I really insulted him.
1: Wow.
0: You know, I said, no, no, Mitch, I just, And they're like, shut that fuck up. <laughs> so now my fourth guy is Paul Dooley. Paul gets a job. <clears throat> so... I, I called me. I don't want him to walk in and be surprised. I said, listen, uh, Mitch, uh, Paul's got a job. I got to call out to Hal Gould and John Kong. Good act. I just want you to go. My buddy Jack's in town. He likes this theater shit. Maybe he'll do it. I said, okay. I'm thinking Jack Let me know Who? about 10 minutes later, he goes, okay, run a script over at Jack House, he's in it. I said, Jack Jack Pounds. Wow. So my 4 old giga, oh gay gig, Charlie God. Durning, what?
1: Running, oh my God. Rod
0: Steiger, Jack Pounds, Robert Mitchell. It's a 90-minute play, no intermission. <laughs> the worst rehearsal I've ever sat through in my life. All they wanted to know was what the narrator was gonna say all right then they underline the it so they even read a joke where mitchum read the straight line and charlie did the punch and Mitchum's and charlie didn't. he looks at me and said, i'm the director he goes we're gonna get a big laugh on that one tomorrow <laughs> and i remember stagger about 10 minutes into it Stagger went to ask me a question and I was like, rod shut up let's get the fuck out of <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so now I'm saying, all right, you know, just because they're great actors doesn't I mean they can read. Yeah. So I'm, I'm saying, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. And of course, the place is packed, 300 people, you know, and I swear, we did almost 500 readings. This is in the top five. You thought they rehearsed for 10 years. <laughs> There was one point where Charlie was sitting in the middle and Mitchum was there and Palance jumped out of his seat. He was the guy who hadn't been there in 15 years. And he screamed at, at uh, Robert Mitchum, you cheated on me with that fat little fuck! And Mitchum jumped, and he was sickly, that he died with, like, a year later. He jumped up, he took the roof off. I've never, in a movie, I've
1: never heard him that loud. He went, because he loved me!
0: And Charlie stood between them and said, don't fight over me, he just started crying.
1: Oh, oh my God, <laughs> you kidding The audience me? is like, I get so stupid. Me, I go back,
0: stay there, I went, you guys were, were great. And Mitchie goes, what'd you fucking expect? <laughs> and parents who I never met before, and I never met since his goes, rookie. <laughs> and Charles Durning said what he always said to me after everything I ever did was, Another twenty years, you'll be an actor. Wow! Oh oh my God, that's so. <laughs> all right, so we talked a lot about the importance of us uh, knowing your history, seeing the old film, seeing the. Oh yeah! Any, every anybody who's watching, give your suggestion as well. Every actor out there, if I could share anything with them, Charles Dunham shared it with me. Every day you're not working, one you should work out because whether you're heavy or thin or whatever you gotta keep your lungs strong for the stage and I, I hate working with these actors that whisper all the time when they got a mic on them fuck you talk like a human being the other thing is you should read aloud at least a half hour yeah, I don't care if you're on the toilet read something aloud read just get your voice used to that and third watch an old movie you cannot learn anything from a new movie that cuts and cuts i start my lecture at colleges i show fifth i show two minutes of argo which one best picture and i go cut 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 until the audience understands what a cut is then i say okay now i want you to yell out cut in 27 seconds they go cut and i go you just saw the longest take in argo without a cut then I show Cary Grant, Rosalind Russell going around a desk in his girl Friday, and I say, "Yell cut!" And five minutes and twenty seconds later, they don't usually yell out. They applaud. Wow. Man, you watch Mitchum in the original Cape Fear. when there's no cuts, when he attacks Mm -hmm. Bob, she does not say any of the lines that were written for her. She got so scared when he broke the egg. When he died, you can get that on uh, whatever you guys do. (laughs) Uh, You know, the internet internet or something. No point to me, I still have VHS. (laughs) She doesn't say she got so frightened that he actually waits for her to say her line. And when she doesn't say it, he just says his next line. Doesn't make any sense at all. It's the most frightening scene you'll ever see. So that's what you learn from those films. You learn timing. You learn. Chemistry is what happens between us if we're on stage. If I cut from your face to my face, we've just cut the chemistry. And that you're not going to learn anything by watching the shit that's on now. It's all machine-oriented. Even some of them that's beautifully written is just chopped up. I'll give you one more story, because I know you like... Every, like I said, every play I ever did, Charlie would go up to me and go, another 20 years, you'll be mad. Now, Jack Clugman was my dear friend. Uh, we did a couple of plays together. And Jack, but one night I said to him, We came off stage, great play, Value of Names. I said, Man, we were good tonight. And Jack went, We're always good. That's not what it's about. I said, All right. So now we're doing a Value of Names. And we would go to dinner a lot with it would be Jack, Charlie, Don Deloy, and Peter Falk. So. It's Sunday and the three of them Charlie, Peter, and Don Dilley's. Jack comes running in the dress. He goes, all right, now, right now, do it. We got to do it for us, not them. You know, don't get it. You know." And I go, Jack, you're the one who said we're always good. What are you going to do, shake my head and send me back to Nam?
1: (laughs) So Jack cracks up He goes, you're right, fuck (laughs) up.
0: So we go out on stage. And I don't know what what causes this, but we just had one of those magic nights. I don't. We're always good, like Jack says, we're always good people in money work. But sometimes it's just magic. As we're bowing, Jack goes, We gotta get the boys together. Find out what the fuck we did right tonight.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so Tuesday night we go to dinner. Great stories. You know, what causes those nights? And very emotionally, Charlie Durning looks at me and he goes, All right another ten years. <laughs> and to me, I'm like, i got an Academy yeah, yeah. And Jack Klugman, the great Jack Klugman, looks at Charlie Durning and says, Charlie, are you an actor yet? And Charlie Durning leans in and says, Jack, I'm getting damn close. And Peter Falk goes, I think you're there, Charlie. He <laughs> puts his hands in. That's what those balls oh, were. Oh my God. Wow, I couldn't even. Let's oh. just a see the difference. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What young actors do you like
0: today? Oh, uh, you know, when I watch television, and I'm so against the editing, uh, it's not because uh, I'm, I'm not saying the actors are bad i'm just saying how would i know if they were good mm-hmm. nobody's let them go mm-hmm. so i think that we got a lot of great actors out there but we you know who i really like uh
1: chris sullivan
0: is that oh you? chris oh my god yeah he
1: was so phenomenal on the neck yeah, you, I, did, well, he's on This Is I, Us. I, you his father. father yeah, and, uh, yeah, we were a year together on Broadway. And I saw, his, and I saw he, what'd you do on Broadway? It was Lombardi. He, oh, Jim Taylor. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: Jim Taylor met him and said, if I was as big as you, I'd still be playing. <laughs> <But> <laughs> no,
1: phenomenal. Chris is, yeah,
0: Chris and Judith. And, and,
1: he's the, and he's the guy who goes, Hump Day. That's his yeah. voice. <laughs> That's yeah. 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 No, he's it. a true, I, first time I really noticed him was the Nick. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was phenomenal. I don't know if you ever watched. Oh it, yeah, I loved it. And I remember going, "This guy is what he was so real, real and just yeah." He was so and he was so big. Like I just kept thinking how he was massive in yeah. that role, you know. And then you see him on This Is Us, and it, and it took for a while. I'm like, how do I know this? Guy? And then it was, "Oh my God, that's the guy from the Nick."
0: Wow. He's actually in pretty good shape. He had a yeah, suit yeah. on. Yeah, a lot of This Is but he, Chris, are you kidding? He's fine. We got a lot of good actors. Yeah, even even some names. But like Leonardo DiCaprio actually has to fight. He has it in his contract. You've got to leave at least two scenes without cuts. Really? Yeah, these guys know. They're, I yeah. mean, Brad Pitt's a, a fine actor. Yes. Yeah. You know, but you got you can't just say, oh, he's good looking, and he, you know it's. Uh, I mean, I think a great example, if, uh, I mean, I don't know, I, I, I know George Clooney a little bit, but <clears throat> if I could say anything to him, uh, I would say watch Tyrone Power films. He never got the recognition because he was so good looking, but he always fought for hard roles. Nightmare Alley, mm-hmm. Razor's Edge, Eddie Duchin's story, and he's good. They're five, six-minute scenes without a cut. And he was always running off to do the theater. Daryl Zanuck had a sue to come back and shoot. But, you wow. know, so just because you're a big star and you're good looking and all that, that's no reason not to go back and do a new play. Do it, you know, find something. And you know what? It's good business too. Find a play that would make a good movie. And tell a writer, I'll do the play, but I want the I want a, the movie rights. Mm-hmm. Start working on a screenplay now, kid. And go do it, sell so let the studios come like a like we mm-hmm. do at a bronx sale, and they'll get to do better stuff. Yeah. Yeah. but it's a lot of commitment. It's, a lot, it's hard to do eight shows a week. <clears throat> Why work that hard? <laughs> George Clooney, by the way, another nice what a nice man. Yeah. Uh, I hope you get Richard kind to of come in. They're very close.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know.
0: Yeah. Richard, i He's funny. Oh, Richard? <laughs> He's another guy. He says hello, I laugh.
1: <laughs> I can't say that. I, know.
0: I know. Good guy. Good theater person. He used huh. to always go to the pizza place next to Stand Up New York. Yeah. Every time we would come in, we'd go in and beg him to go in. Oh, really? Yeah, go up on stage. Go up on stage, because he's
1: ah, I'm not a stand-up.
0: I'm not a stand-up. No, he yeah, he always says that. <laughs> he could go up and read the phone book. I think people yeah. He did it. one of our videos, and one of the funniest stories. It's not even about him. It's just he's such a great storyteller. <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch it. Yeah. <laughs> But thank you, guys. This has <laughs> been <laughs> fun. Thank, thank you. you. such a pleasure. Yeah. Next time, if you come back, I want to do this across a card table. I'll bring
1: it over to Oh, yeah, anytime. And we'll do what we play. I know Chris Monty wants to do one in Montana with a bunch of meetings. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I, love, I play great. poker a lot. so. Yeah. And you, and you golf, you said? Yeah. You know what? I'll tell you a funny, Lewis story. 30 years ago, I opened for him. It's got to be 92, 93. I opened for him in, in Jersey, Bananas, in New Jersey. And we're at the bar. And he, he, he says, uh, I, got a, I got a tea time, blah, blah, blah. And he says, do you golf? And I go, no. And I said, I I feel embarrassed because every comic golf. Golf, so oh, sure. Every,
0: Tommy Dreeson said they're comic, not
1: Yeah. And I go, why is that? And he goes, because we're all addicts. Yeah. And he said, um, he said, golf is the closest thing to an addiction that's not going to get you in trouble. And most of us are in recovery. So if we spend the night in the bar, we're only going to get in trouble. But if I have a 7 a.m. tea time, I'm going to go home. And I've thought stuck with me for 30 years now that Louis Black taught me why comics are the golf.
0: Oh, all those Vegas guys. Yeah. Tommy Drees, I mean, he'd rather i ain't got to say it, but he'd rather play golf.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've heard the stories yeah. about
0: Tommy. Oh, Tommy. Tommy. Yeah. Well, he opened for Sinatra for 17 so he, years. Yeah. Now, see, here's another story. He calls, me, uh, he calls Joe Montaigne. They're close. And Joe, And he says to Joe, I want to write a one-man show. And it's mostly going to be about him and Frank Sinatra, obviously. So Joe says, call Dan. He'll set you up, but he knows all the writers. So... He calls me, and I said, oh, I got the perfect writer for you. His name's Bobby. Hooked him up. They talk. He goes, oh, boy, this guy loves Sinatra. He knows stuff I didn't even know. I so they worked together for about a month and a half. And Tommy calls me. and says, I don't know. This guy is so hard. and he is busting my balls. I just want to go up and tell a story. He's making it a play. It's a real play. And I said, don't fire him until Sunday night. And watch the Academy Awards. It was Bobby Moresco wrote Crash and thing the. That. Oh my God! So, <laughs> Tommy they say, I guess I shouldn't fire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think Frank would be pleased <laughs> if you didn't get the best to write the story. That's about funny. you. Montana played Dean Martin in that. Yeah, and great. And uh, yeah, he was great. Yeah, yeah, the Rat Pack. Yeah, yeah, the Red Pack. I really like that. Oh I yeah. yeah. I it was, um, Bobby yeah, yeah. Bobby Slayton played Joey Bishop. And 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 Don
0: Cheadle played Yeah, he he was,
1: they were all really good. Oh, yeah. And I like the fact that they weren't trying to really be the, they weren't But Joe does sing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying, like, they weren't, like, uh, you know, he wasn't. impersonators. Yeah. Right. But
0: Joe did um, a great thing with that genie martin who was his longtime wife mm-hmm. and then he had two other wives but then he died but Jean was the one i had all the kids with. Him. so joe said i'm not going to do this if Jeannie doesn't improve and gene liked the script so he, he had never met her he just asked can i come and talk to you and she uh, he said to her what is something that is not in the books what can you tell me about Dean Martin? That's not because everybody loved Dean Martin. Yeah. Loved him. You mentioned Dean Martin to the guys I mentioned mm-hmm. to you the whole night. It was, you gotta remember when he wasn't on the air in the summer, it was the Dom Delawey show. Right. Dean set all that up. Right. So they loved Right, him.
1: that's right, Dom so, Deloese show. He yeah, so that.
0: he says, what can you tell me? She said, well, I only knew Dean for six months before we got married. And we were married forever, all the kids. I really didn't know him well before was, we were married, and when he died, he died in my bed, and I still didn't know him. Wow. He was, he was the most generous guy with everybody else, but he wouldn't let people get close to him. Wow. Man. He'd give you, like Dom said, he'd give you the shirt off his back. He'd do anything for you. <laughs> Tom said, the first show I did with him, I went, I, it was a barber sketch. I'm the barber. And I said, Dean, if I do this, and he went, no, nah, no, nah, just make me laugh. There are no notes. Just make me
1: laugh.
0: Wow. <laughs> he said it was a license to kill. Yeah, yeah. And the more I made him laugh, the funny was in. And they usually say it in the bloopers. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. Damn. Damn. Well, that was what I loved about the Dean Martin show, was that it was so off the cuff. Oh, yeah. If he laughed, he laughed. And they they didn't go and do it again. Yeah, now the people who knew him
0: uh, said he did do, he did rehearse the songs. And even sometimes those screwed up and they would show you a blooper. But as far as the skits go, he's just, come on, guys, make me laugh. <laughs>
1: yeah, just make me laugh. <laughs> that was the only note he ever gave me. Man, that's a great line from his wife, though.
0: Yeah, I still didn't know. Him. And I know this about Frank Sinatra. He said one night to me, Joe, and, and Dennis, uh, You know, the saddest thing for me is I thought I'd go first. Jilly, his longtime mm-hmm. bodyguard, was killed in a car accident, running an errand for him. Mm-hmm. Sammy died, and Dean. That was the saddest because the last six years of me Martin's life, when his son died, mm-hmm. Frank couldn't help him. He said, I, "I I couldn't pull him out of that." He said, "But they all went before me, you yeah. know." And so, even you know what it says on his tombstone: <laughs> "The best is yet to come."
1: <laughs> oh, wow! Really? <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool.
0: You know what it says on WC Fields' tombstone? I forget. Better here than Philadelphia.
1: Yes, that's right. <laughs> I mean, that's right. That's right. So much of good ones.
0: Take care. Guys. Thank, you. Thank you very much. Would Would you please. was
1: it. a pleasure. And Laurie. <laughs> Those drinks, <laughs> jokes, and storytelling. <laughs> Thank you.